Hi everyone and welcome to episode 97 of SAMA, a program which invites an expert to discuss their area of expertise. This week we are delighted to have Laura Corby to talk to us about energy medicine and why many people have difficulty healing. Laura is a pastoral medical provider and counsellor, Reiki master, vibrational sound therapist, cytocompass provider, biofeedback provider, EFT master practitioner, certified practitioner in accessing the bars, behavioral modification cognitive behavior therapy specialist, deep breath, autism, there's so many things you've done in your life, I've got to tell you, Laura. It's crazy, I know. Interventionalist, writer, and national speaker. Now, what do you do in your spare time? <laughs> Laura has spent the last 19 years engaged in intensive biomedical dietary and therapeutical research as it relates to the autism spectrum, immune, and neurological disorders. She is now focusing on a generalized holistic health practice, addressing the underlying core issues that relate to all physiological and emotional disease. That sounds so amazing what you're doing now. So I welcome to welcome love to our show. What I do. <laughs> have I, Thank have you I, for having me. I'm so blessed to be here. Thank you. Have I covered everything. You've done so much in your on your time on this planet. It's been kind of crazy. <laughs> okay, but well, I love both. it. I've been blessed. <laughs> I guess you don't watch have much time to watch TV. No, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. Laura, I'd love to dive straight in. What is energy medicine? So, and I didn't know the answer to that not that many years ago. Um, you know, our, our bodies are holy energy, and we spend so much time, and, and you know with Spooky that we, we focus on medical issues, and we look at, at things that are physiologically wrong and things that are emotionally wrong, but in, in addition to looking at the physiological pieces, we have to look at the energetic pieces because it's all about frequency. Nik Nikola Tesla said it beautifully. He said, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, you have to look at frequency and vibration, right? Everything is about that. And so energy medicine is really focusing rather than on the Newtonian sense of medicine, which is what mainstream medical has done for many years, which is looking at... Um, systems. It's looking at organs and, and the physiological pieces. This is looking at a quantum level. It's looking at the underlying frequencies. It's looking at the energy and what is disrupting it. And that encompasses many different things. Right. So how can we address issues, health issues, using energy medicine? So there's a multitude of ways. Um, you, you, you first of all have to look at the whole being. And what I mean by that is you can't just look at the energy pieces because we're physiological beings, but we're energetic beings. So we have to look at the energy, the emotional, the physical, um, and the vibrational all at one time. And, and all of those are intertwined, so they can't really be separated. So energy medicine can be affected in many different ways. Using plants, um, homeopathics, and herbs is, is one piece of energy medicine because every single plant has a particular frequency that affects our body. As you know, 
um, using things like Tesla lights, using things such as spooky to rife equipment. By adding frequency into the body, we can affect so many different things. We can affect things physiologically, like killing pathogens if we have a problem. We can heal things. We can um, improve the function of particular tissues and regeneration. We can even do things on a spiritual and an emotional and an etheric level um, that affects the entire being. So it's incorporating many different modalities that are all in. And the, the goal is to return things to a state of, of homeostasis. Right. Why do you think mainstream medicine is not looking things on a holistic, uh, at a holistic level? Why do you think? Um, yeah, nine, $9 million question. A lot of people don't like the answer to it. It's not profitable. Um, we've, we've kind of stepped into an age and it's unfortunate. And, and let me first of all say, because I think this is so important, I'm not anti-medicine in any way, shape, or form. There's a place for it. And, and I think that we have to work in partnership with medicine, right? Because there's a tremendous need for preventative medicine. There's a tremendous need for emergency medicine. If you have a heart attack, if you have a stroke, if you have a car accident, you want to be in a U.S. hospital, right? That's the place to be. But, but in terms of chronic illness, um, it's rampant. It's absolutely rampant. And the reason it's not popular to look at these things in, in the regular allopathic type fields is we have a model that's being used right now that is built around sick care, not well care. It's built around treatments. It's built around the fact that we have a society that is predominantly chronically ill. And there's a tremendous amount of profit in that. We don't, you know, as a whole, treating cancer is way more profitable than curing it. And so, you know, we, we've kind of gotten, gotten ourselves into a catch-22. Um, cancer Foundation and Cancer, this and Cancer, that they have uh, fundraising drives all the time to help cancer research. You're saying that the money's not really being uh, piped to where it's, where it's required? Are you saying that the money's just um, being spent on... So let me just say this. It's, it's, it's not my place to say that company XYZ is inappropriately using their funds. But here's what I will say as a general overview. Mm -hmm. We've been studying cancer for how many decades now? And, and it and has... Have we, have we in mainstream medical cured cancer yet? Not according to them. I mean, we've, we've, we've reversed some aspects of it through things like chemotherapy and radiation and, and some very aggressive and frankly quite damaging things to the body. Um, and what we do often is buy time, but we don't fully eliminate it because we're not really looking at why is it there to begin with? It, you know, cancer is not the problem. Um, the problem is what caused our energy to drop to allow that cancer to thrive to begin with. So we can kill the cancer, but if we don't address the underlying problem and look at why was our body in a state that it was welcoming the excessive growth and proliferation 
great years later, now we've got cancer coming up in a different area, or now we have another chronic illness cropping, you know, cropping up. And so it's, it's, it's um, we have a lot of these answers already, but you're not going to find them in mainstream medical. Can't, killing cancer is not difficult. You know that, John. Not hard. Um, these things are, are, they can be accomplished, but we have to be willing to look beyond the Newtonian medicine model and look at what is driving this and what do we have to do to put the body back in a state of harmony. Right. I, you're obviously very passionate in, in what you're doing now. Did, um, did your interest stem from one certain incident in your life or some circumstance in your life? If you could tell us, please, how it all started. Yeah, it actually stemmed from two. Um, I really, I've always loved medicine, but I never really got involved in it. And um, my son at 15 months was diagnosed with severe nonverbal autism and was not being helped by the mainstream community. He was, you know, he was the kid that would sit in the corner and do this for hours and spin things and, you know, not, he had a lot of biomedical issues, a lot of gastrointestinal problems, and he went from being a beautiful, bouncing, fabulous, ten, nine, ten-month-old baby to being hospitalized and coming out like a ragdoll that no longer had contact, that lost his babbling and the words that he had, that no longer engaged, that was just a puppet of, of who he was before. Um, and my response from most of the medical community was, wow, this is terrible. We're so sorry. We hate to see this. But, um, you know, you need to really be prepared because he's quite severe that in his adult life, he's probably going to have to be institutionalized. So you just kind of start wrapping your head around that notion because that's where you're going to be going. And I went, no, <laughs> it's not where I knew really very little um, about medicine other than I had worked with many doctors prior. And I started um, studying the gastrointestinal system and neurology and looking at the toxicity issues that were involved across the board, everything from foods to vaccines to air quality to the whole nine yards. Um, and I, got, I realized very quickly that my niche was medicine and that I was very passionate about it. And then I had an understanding of it that I shouldn't, I really didn't have the education to have. It was kind of bizarre that I knew what I knew and didn't really know why I knew it. Um, and as I studied more, I found that my passion just grew and grew. And after 11 years of owning an autism center, which I was super passionate about, um, I ended up getting very sick because I had taken care of everyone else and not taking care of myself. And that was the beginning of the energy medicine piece. I had some people step in and introduce me to a lot of different avenues of energy medicine that I had known nothing about prior. And uh, I kind of got baptism by fire, if you will. I mean, I got hit with it hard and heavy. And it's been a huge piece of, of my journey and my healing. And I'm 90% I'm well today because of it. Good, good. How, how do things go with your son? Um, my son is 19 years old now. 
Um, he is, if you looked at him, you would never in a million years know that he has autism. He is more articulate than I am. Um, he is graduating from high school this May, and he has a full-time job that he just got promoted in two months ago, wow. and is he, he's starting college. He's doing really good. Now, does that mean he doesn't have any issues? No. He has some anxiety. He's got some sensory issues. Um, he holds it together really well, and he's learned the skills and tools to, to mitigate that, and you'd never know unless I told you. Oh. Okay, so what steps did you take to bring him um, to where he is now? Well, and let me say this. I wish I would have known then what I know now. Because when I owned the Autism Center, everything was about medical, biomedical, dietary, therapies, you know, very, a lot of work, a lot of work. Right. Um, and, it's, and it should be, and it will continue to be. But had I known what I know now about frequency and how that can affect the central nervous system and calm the sensory system down and, and so many pieces that I wasn't aware of, I think our journey would have been cut in half very easily. Um, so it was a combination of dietary intervention um, for, and this is kind of interesting because with kids with autism, very many of them, and I've seen few exceptions to this after dealing with thousands of kids, um, gluten and casein are big issues for these children. Gluten and casein create something called gladiomorphins and caseomorphins in the brain, which are opiate peptides. And it makes it very difficult for these kids to function. And my son is a perfect example that at one and a half years old, when we removed gluten and casein, um, immediately he began a different level of functioning. Um, the, the difference in one year from when we made dietary changes was dramatic. Behavior modification um, was a big piece teaching him how to learn because these kids don't learn the same way that other people do. And we can't just expect that they pick things up by osmosis the way other people do. Um, supplementation. There's a lot of things missing with these kids. There are a lot of um, enzymes that are missing that they need a lot of assistance with. There are a lot of gastrointestinal issues. There are a lot of bugs um, and I think this is what brought you and I together originally is we were talking a little about mycoplasma and some of the issues that were happening with some of your Gulf War vets. And we were finding many of the same things in a lot of these kids that have autism and their families. So microorganisms that had to be addressed, candida issues that had to be addressed. So it, it was a holistic approach that dealt with the whole person from everything from learning and cognition to addressing dietary and, and biomedical and making sure the body had everything that it needed to function correctly. They also don't detox correctly in many cases. And so um, making sure that that methyl pathway was working effectively. Many of these kids have um, something called MTHFR, which is a, a genetic SNP on a gene. It's a, a methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase gene. And that particular gene affects that whole methylation pathway and detox. And if you're exposed to toxins every day, but you have no ability to detox those things, it affects your body dramatically. Mm. So it was, it was all of these pieces. Right. What happened at nine months that 
flick that switch on your son? Yeah, so he got his nine-month shots, um, and he was okay for the first week or so. And he got a cold, and that cold turned into two ear infections, and those two ear infections turned into um, encephalopathy. Um, and we went in, and he got hospitalized, and they thought he was septic, you know, and did the spinal taps and, and all of that stuff. And he had spinal meningitis, um, and he was never the same. He came out shortly after that, and it was funny because there was a lot of backpedaling because it was, yes, um, he has spinal meningitis, and then when I started asking a lot of questions, suddenly it was, oh, oh no, he doesn't. He doesn't have meningitis. That was just a that was a, a a problem in in the blood work that we did. It was it was something got in the blood work that shouldn't have been there. And it was like uh huh. So it was it was an interesting journey. Oh my goodness! So it all started. With but, I wonder um, uh, why. I didn't, I didn't put that together at the time, John. It wasn't until years later that I put that together because I'm a I'm a Okay, I'm a data nut. I keep data on everything. And I had kept really intense notes. Well, I look at my introduction, right? Hello? Do I have <laughs> do I write a little bit? Um yeah, like I said, welcome to Asperger's, right? Yes, yes. But um but I had I had all of, I started putting all these pieces together and connecting all of these dots and it was like my lord. I really didn't think that was it at first, but then I realized that we're insulting these immune systems in very small children in ways that were never designed to be affected like this. Right, right. At an age where the immune system isn't fully developed or anywhere near. No, fully no. I mean, birth to six months, you got mom's immune system. That six months to, you know, what, two to three year period when your immune system is developing, which is why we see these kids that are, you know, snotty-nosed all the time because they're digging in the mud and getting viruses and colds and all kinds of junk. But that's how your immune system develops. We keep throwing triclosan at everybody in these, in these hand sanitizers and, and thinking that we're doing such great things. You know what? Your kids need to eat some dirt. And dirt is becoming a rare commodity <laughs> in um, cities now. <laughs> you can't eat Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah, it really is. An interesting question has come from Nick Dewey from our Facebook viewer. Um, he asks, if a person struggles to control energy themselves in their own mind, how can they learn to diagnose what energy issues evolve with themselves and what skills they can use to bring them into balance? So it's sort of like... So, yeah, no, go ahead. What you're saying, I didn't mean to cut you off. There's a, there's a little bit of a lag. It makes it hard to not talk over you sometimes, so I apologize. It's time to, I think I've talked over you more than once. But I was really saying how if if you feel that you're being let down by the uh, trained medical professionals and you want to take things into your own hands, sometimes it can be difficult, especially if it's an internal problem and it's affecting the way that you think. Right. And if there's no support structure, yeah. done it again. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And it's it's a hard place to be. And I find a lot of people that are there. Um, and I was there. I mean, I had to learn a lot of what I learned on my own because 
there just wasn't really information that was addressing it. But I'll tell you something, there's tools and skills that you can gain. If I can learn them, anybody can learn them because I knew nothing about this when I started. Um, Spooky is, is a great resource, a really, really great resource. The Spooky 2 Rife systems um, are not just dealing with the body's energy in terms of what's wrong and, and pathogens and what could be happening. There are big emotional pieces in that that can keep you regulated. Our thoughts play a tremendous role in this. And, and this is why I said there's so many people don't understand why they're not healing. Um, you can do all of the right medical things for someone. And if I don't teach you how to change how you think and get your thoughts and frequency in a good space, you're not going to heal. And, and that comes back to placebo effect, right? If we believe that things are going to get better, many times they do. And that's the power of the mind. It can change the frequency in our entire body. So back to his question with what can people do? Um, there are multiple ways that you can affect the energy in your body. Meditation is, is certainly one of them. Um, and I think meditation gets a bad rap because there's a lot of people out there that are doing meditation and teaching meditation. And, and we think that we have to be still and keep our mind completely clear. And I'm going to tell you right this minute, there is not a second, there's not a millisecond in my life that my mind has been clear. Do I ever think there will be? Nope. If that's my goal, I'm going to fail in meditation every time. So it's meditation is one way. There are, are systems um, like Hunter, Metatron, uh, the Metapathia system is a wonderful system for looking at what's going on in your energy body, what's happening with your um, vegetative nervous system and with your brain in, in the cerebrum? You know, do we have an excess of certain chemicals and, and not enough of other things? Um, in, in terms of managing energy, one of the most important things that I've had to learn how to do, um, and there's a great book, by the way, to teach you how to do this. So if you don't have this book, go check it out. It's by Spencer Lord, and it's called The Brain Mechanic. The second one is um, by David, David R. Hawkins, and it's called Power Versus Force. And this speaks directly to this question of how do I affect my consciousness levels? How do I affect and, and, and implement change into the frequencies that are running through my body? A lot of it is emotional work. We have many times um, emotional debris and things from very, very young ages that becomes lodged in the body that keeps energy from moving. And that creates um, problems with flow of energy and that creates diseased states. Um, and so a lot of it is learning how to clear energy in the body. And if anybody ever wants to learn these things, there's a lot of information. I'm happy to email stuff to people if they want to learn these skills, because we need to educate people on this. There are ways to clear energy from your body. There are ways to shield so that when you're out and about and you're dealing in toxic environments, you're not constantly taking on what's happening in the world. A, a lot of what is happening to people is they're walking into environments. There are many empathetic people out there today who can walk into a room and their energy is out of control because they're picking up the emotions and the energy of everybody else in that room. And it throws their system completely into chaos.
Right. Right. Wow. So you can't really learn to modulate your own system until you learn to protect it. Make sense? It does, absolutely. Um, um, just going back to your son and his, um, and his autism, I'm wondering whether it's a genetic uh, predisposition which, um, which he has or had. Yes and, and no. Okay. Yeah, and, and I get what you're saying about triggering. Um, the comment that I used to always say when I would teach at conferences is genes load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. That's, that's a good way of thinking about it, I guess. And genes load the gun, environment pulls the trigger. But here's the thing, and this is, this is a piece that we have to remember, because if we go back 50 years and, and we look at my grandmother, for instance, and my mom, Yes. Um, and when and when they were growing up, she was growing most of her food in her own garden in the backyard, you know, without pesticides and all kinds of junk. Um, they were eating a lot of food that was coming directly from the garden. They were spending most of their day outside playing. And even when they worked, you know, the parents worked, they came home and they spent time in the yard and they went for walks and they went to the park and we did a lot of things that were outside management of energy has changed dramatically from 50 years ago um, and I started doing a documentary about this because I wanted to know why do we have this sudden onslaught of children with autism and by the way if it's only genetic how do we have a genetic epidemic no such thing as <laughs> epidemic no can't happen Okay, so you got to start looking at what has changed, and, and what has changed is industrialization, mass production, pesticides, toxicity, um, vaccine increases. I mean, these are just a few of the things, right? So we have epigenetics that are playing a role, because we have many things that we've introduced into our system that are now changing the expression of our genes, and so we have new generations coming forward who have got some polymorphisms on a lot of these genes that were really not supposed to be triggered on, but they are. And they're causing a lot of different issues. And so, yes, genes are setting the stage for this. Yes, environmental pieces are, are definitely triggering that. But a lot of these genetic issues were not even present 50 years ago. So these are things that we have in many ways induced by the changes that, that we've put into practice in our society. That's scary. Yeah, it is. One brand name that, um, or one, one chemical that keeps on popping up in these salmons is glyphosate. Roundup. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. It's and, massive. And I use Absolutely. You've mentioned that uh, eliminating. So I'm talking of you. Um, elim you found that eliminating gluten and eliminating casein, both of which will, will be almost certainly tainted with glyphosate. Yeah, let me throw this out for you to think about. This is kind of a, a funny thing, and and I've seen it on so many occasions that you really can't deny it. Um, yeah, gluten and casein we've talked about for a while. And, and, you know, you've got some very specific issues that are different. So we have 
We have sets of people that have celiac disease, which is wholly a different issue than what I'm talking about, right? Celiac disease, you definitely have a significant problem where you cannot tolerate gluten. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is gluten and casein issues that people are having and predominantly gluten. Um, and, and as I started working with people outside of the autism community and, and working more with the general public and finding that there's still a lot of gluten issues out there, um, not, not celiac, but people with very significant sensitivities and it affects them pretty, pretty much, I mean, pretty intensely. Um, and so, but, but here's what I find. I have many people who travel when they eat gluten in the United States, it makes them deathly ill. When they eat it in France, when they eat baked goods in France, which by the way, glyphosate is not, glyphosate is not, it's not there, it's not in their gluten there. When they go to Australia and they have gluten, they're not having problems. They're having problems when they're eating gluten where it is tainted with glyphosate. And so we're really beginning to recognize that some of this gluten issue isn't the gluten as much as it is as a toxicity issue because 90% of what's out there, probably more than that, to be honest, here in the U.S. is, is GMO Roundup Ready glyphosate, you know, glyphosate Roundup Ready stuff. So we're, we're really putting so many toxins in our system and then we're curious as to why our systems aren't responding well it's like wow really well it doesn't bode well for the future does it because they see mm -mm. there's no signs of things slowing down if anything it's just going to keep continue going getting worse and this is enough um, case, um, court cases um, that, that cripple um, now, Monsanto, it's not Monsanto anymore, is it? It's Bayer, there's some other company that purchased. Yeah, they've, they've partnered. So um, I can't see that going away in a, in a hurry, which is a, this is a real shame. No, and, and it's not really that different than the pharmaceutical industry. And, and, you know, they're one of the largest lobbying groups in existence, and they're incredibly powerful, and they really get what they want. And it, it comes back to... We've moved out of a time when the welfare of human beings is the most important factor and profit is now. Everything is about profit. Um, and I, I think this is the importance of programs like this, John, and why what you're doing is so incredibly beneficial to humanity because with, with the internet now available, we have information to teach people about a lot of these things that wasn't at their fingertips before. That they didn't have access to and the more people are waking up and learning and getting access to these things the more they're starting to connect the dots themselves and go just like i did before seeing my son get sick and i never connected the dots right and i look back at it now and i'm mad because i'm like how could i not have seen that but i didn't know to look for it um when people see things like this and hear things like this and are educated on these topics it allows them to go back and start connecting dots and looking at what are some of the factors that played a role in me becoming ill and how do I undo that damage, A, and B, how do I keep it from getting any worse? How do I mitigate what's there and how do I recover what's already been damaged? We're giving them great 
great tools. It's a wonderful thing. Do you think, <laughs> now you mentioned at the very beginning that uh, with uh, Nikola Tesla, um, our vibration energy. Do you think that because we are now living in apartments with the inherent shielding of the concrete slab walls, do you think that plays? Absolutely. In? Yeah, we live in Faraday cages. We live in Faraday cages. You know, you go back to energy medicine, and one of the first questions you asked me, and you said, you know, how do you think energy medicine is, is affecting what's going on with us now? And this is what I wrote about in my introduction to you. As I said, that we live in a time now where we don't, we don't ground. We get, we get so much of the energy in our body. We've got, we have the physical sources. So we've got food, we've got water, we've got, um, you know, air that we breathe. Those are the, the physical chemical senses that our, our system needs. But on the energy frequency end, our ADP and ATP energy systems that fuel our mitochondria and keep things going, those things are fueled in a lot of ways by the sun, A, but B, they're also fueled by Schumann resonance, which is right outside of the ionosphere, and then the geomagnetic frequencies that are right under the crust of the earth. And NASA figured this out because they started sending people to the space station and they were there for months and months and months and they'd come back and I don't know if you remember this, but they'd come back and they were in wheelchairs because their muscles had atrophied and they were exercising in space, but it was zero gravity. And they're thinking, why, why are we coming back? And there's all this atrophy. Well, you know, of course, NASA didn't bother to share that information with anyone, but um, they figured out that, Hey, when we're out here at the international space station, we are away from the geomagnetic frequencies under the crust of the earth and from the Schumann resonance and the, uh, you know, about the ionosphere, that's what's fueling a lot of our ATP, ADP to ATP and, and taking care of a lot of this powerhousing of our system. Um, when you remove that, you start having mitochondrial problems. You start seeing all of these issues with multiple different systems. They had to start putting Schumann resonance generators in space stations so that these things don't happen. So coming back to your question, we've got houses now. We've got buildings, office buildings that we're in, you know, eight or more hours a day. So we're not outside as much. Concrete, copper wire in the walls. What are we doing? We're inside these Faraday cages. Are we getting the Schumann resonance and the geomagnetic? No, not when you're inside and you've got wiring and all of your external walls and we're in concrete and brick and all of these other things. Then when we go outside, we're on pavement, we're in rubber-soled shoes. Um, we're, if you're not spending at least an hour a day outside in nature, and to some degree grounding, you're not getting these frequencies that your body needs to be fueled. So that's just one more way of putting these frequencies back in. Um, I have a Schumann generator, uh, a Schumann, well, a resonance generator that's, it's a 7.83 frequency, I think, um, that covers about 200,000 square feet so that inside my house, I'm getting Schumann. Right, right. The, um, there's, of course, the issue with undesirable 
frequencies, the right. frequencies of um, the Wi-Fi, cell phones, and soon it's going to be 5G. I'm sure you've got some views on 5G. <laughs> I do. And, you know, I cringed when we were having audio problems in the beginning, and I said, oh, I just had to boot up to 5G so that I could keep our thing steady. And, I, and anytime I have to go into 5G, I'm like, Bleh. I don't want to do it because I know what it does to our systems. Yeah, these smart meters and microwaves and everything in the world that we have that is Wi-Fi and, and remotes, television remotes, stereo remotes, cell phones, cell phone towers. This stuff is frying us. And 5G is, oh, my God, the epitome of what it's creating is it's really quite scary. There's a lot of countries that are now just beginning to become educated about this and are banning it because they recognize um, the long-term health effects that it, it's going to have on their population. And they're saying, no, we don't want to go there. I don't see that happening here, unfortunately, but it, it is beginning to happen in many places. Okay. Um, we touched <laughs> grounding. Um, I can see as being good um, mm -hmm. as your body is able to absorb the frequencies of the earth better and it gets transferred to the ground where you're standing. But with our uh, electrical smog that we are living in all the time, wouldn't grounding be a bad thing? Because not necessarily. Why? Because why? Why do you think that? Well, I'm thinking because the grounding will allow the electrical smog to pass through your body easier and go to ground. Well, the, I mean, let's look at it this way. You're, you're going to have electrical smog issues whether you ground or not. I mean, we live in an environment, there's no getting away from it. There's, there's a couple of really good benefits to grounding. Um, I think that being out in nature and not even necessarily barefoot in the soil, I mean, just being out in nature, taking a walk among the trees, you know, being out in the parks, you're getting the sunshine, you're getting the Schumann, you are getting geomagnetic grounding um, does a couple of things. Yes, you can get a lot of those frequencies from the earth, but one of the big benefits with grounding too and especially with those of us like me that are super sensitive to EMF um, that are, are empathic and way super sensitive and overwhelmed by electronic type stuff. Mm. If I'm on the computer too much, if, if I'm around too much energetic noise, um, my system, I feel like I'm grounding um, for me when I can take my shoes and socks off and go walk in my grass for 20 minutes. It's a, <sighs> all of that, excess all of that chaotic energy that is within me and this goes back to answering the question for your friend about what do i do to regulate my energy when you've got chaotic energy in there your head is all over the place you can't even think straight grounding releases that chaotic energy into the earth and allows your system to just go okay cool are there trees that haven't got the rubber soles that as you're walking. They have grounding shoes now. I'm so excited. They have grounding shoes that you actually can buy that will let you ground and still wear shoes. I'm terrified they're ugly, um, but that's okay. Um, it's still worth doing. <laughs> yeah. the, um, you'd have to wear grounding socks, I suppose, as well, if you wear socks in the shoes. Are they open shoes? Yeah. 
Um, they have open and closed shoes. And I'll tell you something. They even have things now like grounding sheets that you can put on your bed that assist with grounding. Yes. Um, there are grounding mats. There are PEMF mats that um, assist in, in raising these good frequencies that we're talking about, um, mm -hmm. but also assisting you in grounding as well. So there's, there are lots of ways that you can implement different tools that can assist you in, in modulating and regulating your frequency and grounding. Throughout this talk, Carmen Walker has been saying, yes, Laura's right. Laura, yeah, Laura's right again. <laughs> and now she's saying that uh, Laura is correct. Natural grounding is essential, and the uh, grounding shoes are delightful. I haven't actually seen them yet. That's so, funny. Yeah, no, she's a, she's a, uh, a great supporter. Of, uh, <laughs> it's... um. So are they like Crocs, are they, these shoes? You know, the molded um, plastic shoes? I don't... I do not have any. Um, I, I saw some... On online some of them looked like i don't know if you remember the earth shoes that were out back in like the 70s and 80s um i've seen some of the pairs that look a lot like the earth shoes kind of more like the moccasin kind of things oh. um but they have lots of different kinds they have some that are like sandals they have some that are just like regular closed work shoes um so uh, sorry girls i haven't seen any you know high heels that fit that mark they're all they're all <laughs> flats but you know <laughs> Can't have everything, right? Well, I was thinking the high heels can actually have an earthing peg on the on the hill part. <laughs> <laughs> the people who um, own the houses where you're walking inside with these heels may not be too impressed, but outside they should be okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they may not be very happy with you. Right. Now, if you're living in a high-rise apartment like 99% of the population now, you know we're near earth now the you know like physical earth every power right. outlet has got an earth socket or earth pin and so the temptation of course is to use that pin for the earth connection now i've got a personal experience with that doing that on a 12th floor of an apartment and it got me so sick yeah i see yeah. you your head. you're saying you see me shaking my head and going no 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 <laughs> well, I, can, I can i can verify that it is a bad idea so what can you do yeah it's a real bad idea if you're living up with the birds what, what can you do okay so there's a couple of things that you can do um from from a frequency standpoint let me go back and and say these are a few things that you can put into place um number one get one of these shields that you can put in Always at the type yes. and resonance field that's going to give you that you need. But the other thing that it's going to do is it is going to block um, the bad frequencies. So your microwaves, your smart meters, your your um, your Wi-Fi. A lot of these electro smog and and bad frequencies that are really cell damaging for your body. Um, it is neutralizing those. And it is then putting out the Schumann resonance frequencies to stabilize things. So if it were me, and I had, like I said, I have one in my house. If it were me, that would be the number one thing that I was doing. Um, the second thing that I would do. Are we talking about shoes or the sheets? No, actually what I said was the shield. 
the um I have something called a shield that is a generator that neutralizes the bad EMFs in the house and generates the Schumann resonant frequencies. Okay, thank you. So it's you're welcome. It's doing both of those. It's it's negating all of the bad frequencies within 200 um, square feet uh, or 200,000 square feet rather, and then it's giving you the Schumann resonance and, and geomagnetic frequencies. So there's that. Um, the other thing is things like spooky too rife, you know, plugging you here for a minute, but seriously, wonderful frequency regulation opportunities with that. I use it every single day. I use my spooky too rife plasma central system every day. And I do a lot of emotional modulation with that. A lot of, um, a lot of these frequencies that we're not getting because we're indoor all the time. In the word emotional and you're going to and um all of these different moon and and solfeggio frequencies and fabulous frequencies that are assisting your body and your cell voltage and returning to a neutral homeostatic state where it needs to be that's another great way to do it um making sure that um that you are getting outside at least an hour a day. If you're in a high rise, okay, I get you can't be out all the time, but get out there an hour a day. It makes all the difference in the world. Eating foods that have high frequency is, is another huge piece. If, if you're buying all crappy food and, and you know, mass produced and bleh, um, you're not getting the frequencies that, that you need for your body to function correctly. So there's lots of ways to get it. Right. Are there any foods in particular that are high in frequency energy? You mentioned that every food's got different energy levels. I'm, I'm guessing that you're talking about living foods, vegetables that you've grown yourself, hope preferably. or, or Living foods, living whole foods. Yes. So um, leafy greens are wonderful. They are loaded with nutrients. They are loaded with energy. Um, of course, you, you have to keep in mind that you really need to know where these things are grown because you can have a fabulous product, and if it's grown in toxic soil, that's not a great thing either. So you've, you've got to know a little bit about where they're coming from. But if you can grow your own. Even if you live in a high-rise, if you have a patio in the backyard and you can grow some spinach and some kale and some lettuce and start incorporating that into your diet, that's huge. Right. It's hard, hard to do, of course, because most people buy their produce from a supermarket. They haven't I know. got, a, they haven't got a, 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 a birth certificate for the vegetables. They don't know where it came from. So um, it's yeah. hard. Hard to buy organic. It is, unless you're buying things at like a farmer's market or unless you're um, doing something where you've got co-oping, where, you know, where you know where it's coming from. Um, it's a problem because even your organic foods that are being bought at the supermarket, you've got to remember those things are so far removed from, from the field because they were picked weeks ago yes. and then they were packaged and then they were shipped. And by the time they get to you, they have no nutritional value at all. Right. Now, you do a lot of um, types of uh, treatments. Um, one of the things that caught 
my and my eye was uh, crystal singing bowls and tuning forks. How do you use those? You see them behind? They look beautiful. Uh, they are wonderful. Have you ever have you ever experienced them? No. So um, when you do a, a sound bathing session and you use crystal singing bowls, you literally can feel the frequency. In your being, it is, it's a very bizarre feeling if you've never had it happen before. Um, each of the different bowls that I have, you can see I have lots of them. I've got 11 different bowls and each one of them is tuned to a different frequency and each of those different bowls and different frequencies works with one of the different energy centers in the body and helping bringing those back into the correct frequencies where they need to be functioning so when things are chaotic and out of a good vibrational state you can bring it back into the correct frequency and where it needs to be Tuning forks are the same thing. Um, there's a, a whole set of tuning forks, and each has a different frequency. And those things assist on a physical, emotional, and a spiritual and energetic um, realm. And, and I know that sounds kind of woo-woo to a lot of people who are probably just used to mainstream medical kind of stuff, but you would be very surprised that, you know, in the beginning I said when it comes to healing physically, we have to be able to really deal with a lot of the um, beliefs and narratives and, and emotional things that are underpinning that truly affect our frequency and drop it that allow us to begin getting sick to begin with. Many times when people have emotional things that have been buried because we live in a society that teaches us not to process emotion, just stuff it, suck it up and move on, right? Right. So we don't ever learn how to process these things, and it, it, it affects us tremendously. And no, who's talking about this stuff? I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. I do in the metaphysical world, but not in the medical world, and it's a huge issue. Things like bowls, Tesla lights, the tuning forks. What I find when I do emotional work with people and counseling is that if you've got some emotional issues that you've buried and they've been really deep for decades – and they're things that you really don't want to deal with, or you probably already would have. If I try to get you to start working through those things, because I can see them and go, okay, here's an issue. You're going to fight me tooth and nail because you don't want to deal with it. You're going to give me every excuse in the universe to not have to process that. If I do tessalites and singing bowls and numerous different modalities that actually physically change the frequency of your body, if I change your vibration and your feet, frequency and raise that it is so much easier for you to release emotional debris that you would have fought me tooth and nail on before if I didn't raise your frequency first so I use them to help people a shift things because it does raise cell voltage it does increase pH so those things do have physiological changes like reducing inflammation and and, and whatnot but the emotional pieces, which I'm telling you right now, when we get down to it, every bit of what's happening chronic illness-wise comes back to emotion and frequency. Every bit of it. And if we don't deal with those things, we don't get better. So these are pieces that help raise the frequency so you can get to the place where you can inhabit that work that needs to be done to get you there.
That's incredible power of sound, you know, Laura. Um, one thing which Spooky has done quite recently is updated all the sound audio files that are on YouTube. And there's a, uh, yeah, on, on YouTube, you've got a channel there. 16 minutes after uploading our very first video, which was for a sore stomach, uh, a person reported that it, <laughs> it was amazing. It this week, their, their stomach, they had a, a stomach um, ache, severe stomach ache, and it disappeared after listening to the audio. Um, and like 16 minutes. What we found was a way of combining all the uh, fundamental frequencies together. I think we're the only people that do this. But your, your singing bowls would be a similar thing because the sound that they're putting out will be pure sinusoidals. Beautiful, yeah. Beautiful sine waves and, and pure. Yeah. There is, it, and, and I cannot begin to tell you how powerful it is. And, and I have people that come in here and will do these and they are so blown away at how different they feel afterwards. And I, and I guess they just think, oh yeah, bowls, whatever. What's that going to do? You know, <laughs> not realizing that, oh my gosh, I've, I've done bowl sessions before where I've been to somebody else's bowl session that I sat in and, and it literally brought so much junk up that I, I felt sick. And sometimes it'll do that. Sometimes you'll go in and do a bowl session and you'll be so relaxed and you'll feel fabulous. And sometimes it will bring stuff up and, and pull things out that need to be addressed. And, yeah. and I literally felt ill. Um, you know, for a good 15, 20 minutes, I actually thought I was going to be sick. I was going to run out. Wow. They're very powerful. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> if you had a large enough amplifier, I guess you could record and have even larger bowls. <laughs> so let me tell you something funny. And this is, this is a whole, remember I said, eventually you'll feel like you're in outer space and we get done talking. Here comes the woo woo part. you ready. Mm. Um, and this is interesting. It's factual, but it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. I do Tesla light and singing bowl sessions and you don't actually have to be here. I can do them anywhere in the world. So I could actually do a Tesla light and singing bowl session here on you in China. Um, and, you know, Tesla talks a lot about, well, if it's not any different than any other type of energy medicine. If, if you think about Reiki, people do distance Reiki sessions on people all the time, right? Where, where they're focused on someone in another country and they're sending that energy. What is, what's the, what's the factor there in moving that? It's no different than a radio station. If, 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 and, and like your, um, uh, your remotes with spooky and, and the fingernail, right? The only thing that is, is the thing that's dialing us into the place that we need that to be delivered. That's it. When you wrap your head around that and realize that we can send energy anywhere in the world as long as we have the intention focused on where that needs to go, that can be accomplished. It's our own limitation that keeps us from being able to get there. So I can do a session on someone in, in uh, Australia, and they will feel that intensity as if they were laying right here on my table. And it blows them away every time. But it's so cool. <laughs> You've probably blown away most of our viewers right now with uh, talking about that. Well, with healing, a lot of it is within is the intent. This is intention is massive. Mm -hmm. Yes, 
and without the intent, it just becomes mechanical and uh, doesn't right. make any new as well. Right. Yeah. Well, and that comes back to thought, and that comes back to what we talked about before. I can do all the right medical things with someone, and if their intention is not to heal, they're not going to. I don't care what you do. <laughs> okay, so let's summarize. We've got sure. We've got things to um, now. You know, people that are watching this video may be thinking, "Well, what can I do now to um, to make my life better, to um, make it so I can heal?" Uh, you've talked about uh, diet. You've talked about vibration, natural, um, environmental energies. We've talked about artificial energies as well. Are there other things, tools, or um, lifestyle changes that people can make to um, improve their health? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm going to tell you hands down, and I can tell you this through my own personal journey. And let me preface it by saying that I feel like I had a pretty good medical knowledge in terms of what I need to do to get well, but I wasn't getting there. Okay. And the last 14 months, it was the energy and the emotional work that took me to a whole new place. And that's the only reason I've healed to the point that I have. So um, I'm going to tell you the most important thing is learning how to address inner emotional issues. It is learning how to control your thoughts. And when I say control, I don't mean control like mind control. I mean learning to mitigate. We have autopilot that runs continually. And many of us have very self-negative narratives and beliefs about ourselves that oftentimes are not even true. They're things that you know are formed in our environment when we're being brought up. And we don't even realize that we believe these things, but yet they color everything that we do right so a lot of it is is doing a lot of the inner work and recognizing where our thoughts are and and straightening those out the two books that i recommended i would suggest everyone on the planet read it will change how you think about everything in terms of thoughts and how energy affects your body and behaviors right you just broke up for one second. Can you say that one more time? If we can just uh, give the names of those books again so our viewers can. Yes. Um, the first one is by David R. Hawkins, and it is called Power Versus Force, my very favorite book in the universe. Um, the next one is by Spencer Lord, and it is called um, The Brain Mechanic. And I'm telling you, in terms of healing, those are two of the most powerful books you'll ever read because they affect how you think about things and it changes everything. And that will help with emotional blockages. Yeah, it helps tremendously. Like I said, I was sick for 20 something years. And it wasn't until I added the emotional and the energy components that everything shifted and I started healing. Good, good. Dramatic changes. And with your son, did you apply the same principles with your son? You know, it's funny. Um, no. And I'll tell you, well, yes and no. Not all of them, and the reason for that is, as I'm sure you know, a prophet has no honor in his own country. 
<laughs> with, a, with a lot of teenagers. Yeah. If you tell your teenager to do something, they're not going to do it. If, if John Doe comes in and says it, oh my gosh, it's the gospel truth and it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. So as with any other teenager, my son's probably not going to do 70% of what I asked him to do because I asked him to do it. Having said that, um, do I have his fingernails and spooky remotes? And am I loading him with frequencies <laughs> on an incredibly regular basis? <laughs> Why, yes, I am. <laughs> um, and, and I want to throw one more thing in too, because this is important for those on the autism spectrum. Uh, this has been huge for my son because most of these kids with autism have a lot of oral issues in terms of textures and, and sensory issues and what they can eat and tolerate taste-wise. So many of them can't take pills. Many of them cannot handle tastes and things. And so they're not very good at taking supplements. Spooky Remote has been fabulous because I can do micronutrients through his fingernail and he doesn't even know he's getting it. Um, so... Just, yes. So, yes, I do many things with him that he doesn't even know I do. <laughs> he knows I'm doing them, but he's not aware that I'm doing them, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Um, and so that's a lot in many ways. You're healing on the sly. <laughs> yeah, yeah you... right? Hey, man, necessity, necessity is the mother of invention, right? I mean, you do what you got to do. Well, it's been it's been a blast having you on our show. It's been been terrific. The information you've given is solid gold, and um, you've thank made, you. You've done amazing. You've done great things in your life, and you've got I'm sure amazing things to come as well. It's, it's for the for the things that you've achieved. I really don't don't think you spend much time watching TV or or cruising the internet. You're 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 being proactive, doing things. It doesn't. Most people now <laughs> they they seem to have turned off the um, the creation the, the creative button, <laughs> and they just into yeah. consume, they just into consume button. They just watch what's being created for them. The TV series, some you know, watching each week regular programs, and or turn the TV on and see what's provided for them. They're not actually creating themselves, and you are a, a creator. <laughs> Thank you. So well I, I, would, I would love to think that. Um, it's You know what? The, the one thing I know is that the more I know, the more I don't know a damn thing. And I'm driven to learn more every time I learn more because I realize I don't know anything. And I have so much more to learn. And I, I'm a sponge. I want, I'm passionate. I want to learn everything I can learn because I need to understand Right, right. We all, we all need to learn more. We need to know the dangers that are around us, the dangers that have been decided uh, for us. Yes. <laughs> I, I haven't got enough fingers and toes to, um, to, to, to list them off. But um, it's, a scary world. it's a scary world that has been created. So, um, mm. but, there's, but on a closing note, Yes, John, what I think is so important is to recognize that there's a lot that we can do to shield ourselves, right? Yes. There's a lot. We, I mean, yes, there's a lot of things that have been decided for us, and, and there's a lot of forces that are pushing things on us that we would prefer to not have, but there are many things that we can do to protect ourselves. We're not just we're not just lambs at a slaughter here, but there's a lot we can do. There's Take responsibility for your own energy. Yes. Yeah. That's how I like to leave my salmons on a positive note. 
Ta-da! Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you for the opportunity, John. It's been a blast. It has been a real pleasure having you on with us. Thank, thanks a thank lot. Thank you. And thank, thank you, viewers, for watching and all the questions that came through. It's been terrific. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.